Hey there. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm the host of the show, Chris Desmond. Today is episode 47, and I'm chatting with Anna Dawson. Anna's just finished up a three-month-long cycle, the length of the Philippines, for her quest, Plastic-Free Philippines. Besides cycling, this also involved local cleanups, education sessions, and getting communities involved. Today I chat with Anna about this trip, about that time that she sailed from New Zealand to the Philippines, and about figuring out what her purpose is on this planet. We talk about her happiness with simplicity, becoming a mum, following those little thoughts that tell you to do something, and the drive to be able to look her son in the eyes and tell him that she did her best. Uh, so today's audio connection was a little bit dodgy at times, so there is a word missing here and there, but the conversation still flows and makes sense, uh, so hopefully you don't have any trouble following along. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. Thanks to those of you that have shared out episodes or left comments and reviews, they're much appreciated. And most of all, thanks for getting uncomfortable with us today. G'day Anna, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. Uh, thanks for uh, having a bit of a chat with me on uh, sort of a, a bit of a blustery afternoon down in, in Wellington anyway. How is it where you are? Yeah, it's a pretty blustery afternoon on Waiheke Island as well, but um looking out over the water, so I can't complain. No, no, no. Did you guys get um, pretty badly hit with all the heavy rains up there? Yeah, there's been a few landslides around the place and um, there's a few houses that have had flooding and a few a few shops that have got wet carpet and that kind of thing, but um, to be expected, I think, with the services on the island. So, yeah, everyone seems to be keeping a bit dry Yeah, and oh, rain's passed, so. Cool. Oh, that that's good. Um, yeah. Well, Anna, I mean, we're not, here to, we're not here to have a bit of a chat about the weather. Um even though it hasn't been that flash lately, um, we're here to have a bit of a chat about you and kind of what it is that you've you've been up to over the last little while. Um, so, do you want to give uh, the listeners yeah. and give me a little bit of background about uh, who is uh, Anna Dawson? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, I guess most recent re- recently, I've um, cycled two thousand kilometres through the Philippines, trying to raise awareness about the issue of plastic in the ocean. Uh, so that's quite out of left field. But there's been a number of events in my life that have sort of led to that point. Um, one of them was uh, my husband and I sailed from New Zealand to the Philippines. In 2014, and we stopped at a lot of islands on the way, um, very remote islands with um, not a lot of people on them, but unfortunately a lot of plastic along the windward side of those islands. Um, 
And so we made it to the Philippines. And in 2015, I became a mother. And I um, having a kid sort of extends um, how far you're looking at the world and, and what's happening to it. And I guess something that I've always felt in my heart is that perhaps we're not treating our environment as I think that really was heightened after having my son and realizing that we really need to look after the planet on all of his him and all of his little buddies. So um, yeah, I got involved in um, trying to fight the issue of ocean plastic up in the Philippines. So the Philippines is the third worst contributor to plastic in the ocean. Uh, recent studies have shown, and um, yeah, unfortunately, it's a beautiful country, but the beaches there are. Um, so I just felt the urge to do something about it and I guess people were sort of asking oh what organisation are you a part of but it was really just a, a family endeavour so luckily my husband was supportive of um, me doing the cycle trip and Josh didn't really have any choice so he had to tag along so while I, while I was cycling 2,000 kilometres through the country they were sort of my support crew and um, we did a number of beach cleanups along the way, so um, mobilised around a thousand people to take part in these beach cleanups and managed to pick up about 500 sacks of plastic off the coastlines. Wow. So unfortunately, it's not hard to find there. You sort of realise coming back to New Zealand how lucky we are with the beaches. Um, but in saying that, uh, I've recently been out with the Sustainable Coastlines guys on Waiheke Island and we removed a lot of plastic from the beaches on Waiheke is a global problem and it's not really going anywhere so yeah that's me of late cool cool Anna I want to I want to take things back a wee bit so you back in 2014 you sailed from New Zealand to the Philippines with your husband was that the first time that you'd been to the Philippines went to the Philippines in 2008 I got transferred um, as a civil engineer from our, our company working, I was working with in New Zealand uh, called Tonkin and Taylor had some work going on in the Philippines and I to travel up there for work. Uh, I went on a three-month course, staying a lot longer than that. Uh, just really fell in love with the country and the people and just the culture is really amazing. And I, it sort of, it was quite a pivotal point in my life. Uh, spending time, yeah, this, uh, it's really been of my journey to spend time in a developing culture and um so I was really lucky in that respect cool so sorry you you cut out a couple of times there Anna but how long were you in the Philippines for the first time uh the first time I was up there I, I went for three months I stayed six months I came back to New Zealand for summer holidays I think and then went there also up there working as a civil engineer. Um, I sort of at that point realised that civil engineering perhaps wasn't for me. We were working on fairly large development projects which didn't necessarily fit with my ethos. So I ended up doing some more um, some volunteer work up there and social issues. Um, so I was working, doing some microfinance stuff, which was supporting small uh, businesses in the Philippines, try and uh, get some capital to, to start um, businesses. And um, what else did I, I? I set up a business up there as well, uh, trying to direct tourism dollars into some of the rural parts of the Philippines. Uh, so that was through a series of homestays around the country. Um, and... Uh, 
that sort of that went pretty well for a while, um, but wasn't such a lucrative business for me. So um, was, but uh, has, it's that's still been going up until quite recently. So, oh, cool. um, and I learned a lot through that experience. Yeah. But um, I think I think with the plastics thing, it, it's sort of like I had this experience out on the ocean, and I really after it's sort of like I, I think I finally figured out what I need to be doing on this planet, and so I'll be going for that from now on. So it's neat to <laughs> it's been a sort of convoluted journey, but it's neat to get to the point where you can say, "Hey, I think I feel like I'm working on the right thing." Yeah. What um. What have you figured out at the moment? What are, what is the right thing for you to be doing now? Oh, I think you just to be working on this environmental issue of plastic in the ocean. I feel like it's a really urgent one. I think the oceans are struggling at the moment and so I think the trip through the Philippines was just the start of this journey for me in terms of trying to reduce plastic consumption um in New Zealand as well as the is cleaning up the beaches and making sure that we're passing on uh, a nice world for our kids. Um, yeah, so I guess I used to be a lot more into trying to deal with social issues, um, and I sort of I've done a postgrad diploma in international development, but uh, I think the issue with a different culture and um, trying to do work in social. Uh, social issues whereas environmental stuff it's more global so I feel like the oceans therefore I had I have sort of a right to uh, do environmental work in the Philippines and New Zealand and um, yeah it's, it's all sort of linked linked with the ocean uh, so yeah I, I feel like I've I've found what I want to do it's just um, working out how to do it and get paid for it <laughs> and to, uh, picking up rubbish from a beach. So out as we go. Yeah, yeah. So you you're still working on the uh, figuring out how to get paid for it at the moment. Yeah, I guess so. Although I'm, I mean, I'm pretty lucky. Like um, my husband's got a job now, but um, it was part of the reason that we needed to come back to New Zealand at the end of the trip. Um, sort of I was it was completely volunteer what I was doing and I was I was really lucky I, I fundraised before I did the 2,000 kilometers on the bike so um, had a lot of support from people in New Zealand to support the trip but beyond that I need to sort of get myself um, more financially stable and then the plan sort of in the future maybe in a few years time is to ultimately set up a proper NGO in the Philippines just tackling plastic pollution um, it's just a matter of getting the funding and, and so I'm sort of in a, a process at the moment where I'm figuring out funding and and that kind of thing and also trying to learn as much as I can from some of the organizations that are working on this in New Zealand and how they've sort of started out and um, yeah what their advice is um, so yeah I've been talking a lot to the sustainable coastlines guys um, potentially set up something uh, in the future in the Philippines so hopefully I could jump on board with that they're already operating in Hawaii and um, in some of the Pacific Islands so yeah, there's definitely synergy there, and yeah, I just hope I can keep going with it. Um, I've got a pretty busy family life at the moment, and 
So another part of the decision about coming back to New Zealand was just so our son could be close to family and that kind of thing. But so we're we're here for the next few years, but the intention is um, to go back up to the Philippines at some point um, with a little bit more money in the bank and start something up there. Awesome. Um, so Anna, kind of jumping jumping back a little bit again. So in in 2014, you decided to sail from New Zealand to the Philippines. Kind of what what spurred that decision? Uh, that one was a little bit more random. Um, I was in Bali and I stumbled across this book in a hostel, um, which was a book called, oh, I, I can't actually remember the name now. It's by Robin Lee Graham, who was one of the um, first people to sail around the world solo. And there's just something about that book that resonated with me and yeah, I just, I sort of felt this calling to go out and do some sailing. And um, at the same time, I sort of met my husband and, well, we weren't married then, but um, he had sort of grown up doing some sailing and he, that was one of his favorite books growing up. So we sort of, in the early stages of our relationship, we we had this dream to, yeah, one day set, set sail from New Zealand and, um yeah, we, when we first set off, we didn't really know that we were going to do the full trip. We just sort of thought, oh, we'll, we'll go up to Tonga and we'll see how it goes. And yeah, we just, we really loved being out on the ocean and loved the simplicity of life and catching fish and sort of really living it one with nature and um, met some great people along the way. Um, there's a really nice community actually of people sort of sailing around. You don't, you don't sort of appreciate that. You don't think that there'd be many people doing it. But um, it's, yeah, it was a really monumental trip for us. And I think it, it's pretty much led into everything that we're doing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, really happy to find that little book in a random hostel in Bali. And, yeah, it was all sort of, yeah, the early stages of my husband and I's relationship was all sort of linked around the, the sort of feeling of the need to get out on the ocean. Um, don't know where it came from, but you know, these, yeah, you've got to sort of follow these little things that tell you to do something. Definitely, yeah, and I, I mean that's a that's a great tester for your relationship as well. Um, if you guys can spend <laughs> that amount of time together on a boat um, in some some reasonably trying circumstances, uh, I imagine that you're you're in it for the long haul as well. Yeah, totally. That was um, what a lot of the other um, sailing families said to us. They were like, oh, well, if you can do this, you can get married. <laughs> yeah, so we actually did it. We did it before we got married. That was like the pressure cooker. Let's yeah. see if this will last. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, like, we get on really well. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, it's – we didn't actually have – I wouldn't say it was really trying. I mean, it's – there was a few occasions where you don't want to be on the boat, like the weather gets really bad. But I mean, most of all, it was just a fantastic trip. Um, and still, the hardest conditions we faced were sailing from Great Barrier to Tutukaka in New Zealand. So, New Zealand's a pretty good training ground for anything. Um, so, yeah, we it was it was mainly a just an amazing experience. Awesome. Uh, I think people sort of 
except when they hear about sort of sailing around the world, they sort of immediately think of storms and all that kind of thing. And um, yes, it does happen, but it's probably sort of 5% of your journeys dealing with that part and the rest of it's pretty amazing. So, Cool. Yeah. What, um, what things did you enjoy most about that trip? Um, I think probably the simplicity, having a, an awesome community of sailors that sort of totally understood. Um, I think, yeah, it takes a certain sort of person to want to do that, who is normally sort of a little bit um, sort of flexible to go out of society's norms and do something that's a bit different. So we really enjoyed connecting with people uh, that were sort of happy to not um, necessarily get stuck in the nine to five thing and um, yeah, just do do something a little bit different. Not saying that that's a bad thing, just saying that um, perhaps it's it's never really worked for myself. And um, so it was neat connecting with people that other people that it didn't work for as well. Uh, and yeah, just the chats you have on the deck of a boat with the sun setting. Um, meal moments with music and um, yeah and then there's all the wildlife that you see like dolphins on a regular basis um, turtles manta rays so we really yeah we really fell in love with the ocean that trip and um, so I mean I guess what I've sort of felt recently is like my journey towards um, trying to work on these environmental issues has been one of like and then um, sort of realizing that uh, we need to do some things to fix things at the moment. So, so what we'll end up doing up in the Philippines, but I think it will have some component of sort of reconnecting people with the ocean and um, sort of perhaps getting kids living in the city out um, out and sort of seeing wildlife in, in the ocean, taking them snorkeling and that kind of thing. Um, it's sort of quite hard to uh, explain to people in Manila and that kind of thing who haven't seen turtles or whales or about that. Um, but it's all linked, you know, like we're, we're sort of using the ocean to feed us and that kind of thing. And so we've got to keep it healthy. And, um, yeah, I think I'm going off on a tangent here. But no, no, that's okay. Um, so... Obviously, the, the Philippines holds a, holds a pretty special place in your heart as well, and that was, I'm assuming, one of the reasons that you decided to do the do the trip there, um, as well as because it's one of the one of the largest uh, contributors to plastic in the ocean as well. Um, and I, I know what you mean about Manila. Um, I spent a couple of weeks uh, in the Philippines uh, a couple of years ago, and, and the majority of the time was in Manila. Um, and while the people there are, are lovely, um, obviously it's it's a ridiculously poor country um, with with a lot of poverty, um, but also a, a, a lot of pollution as well. And you can you can mm. see why the what is it fifteen million people that live in Manila don't understand the ocean and kind of what where all this rubbish that they they put in. Uh, in, into the rivers and, and into the environment that it ends up there and why that's important. Yeah. Yeah, totally don't blame anyone over there. Like, it's, um, I, we were really there, A, because we love the ocean, and B, because we love the Philippines. It wasn't like, 
you know, um, and I, I very much try and not be condescending about um, the messages that um, I think part of it is, you know, like all of these developing countries really have the aspiration to sort of follow Western footsteps and, and um, they aspire to, yeah, and rightly so, like they, they deserve to sort of have the luxuries that we've enjoyed. But when you've got a population of a hundred million, that's really coming at a cost. So, and also the 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 amount that they just don't have the money to deal with the waste that's being created at the moment. Um, so uh, we would, yeah, we were definitely there because we love the Philippines. But there is a lot of work to do um, in a population of a hundred million. When I mean, I sort of, I we picked up 500 sacks of plastic, but I didn't leave one beach that was spotless. Um, so that was probably one of my failures of the mission. I, I would have loved to sort of leave a beach that was completely clear of plastic, but it was just impossible. Mm. One thing that I was just thinking: I lo- did- spend longer in one place. Yeah, yeah. Does yep. the kind of the opportunity to do that work in the Philippines does that excite you and are you excited by kind of the the aspirations of the people that you met on your journey to help you with that work oh yeah totally like it's an amazing culture they're so on board with what I was doing and um you know like I was never short of volunteers they're just people that get stuck in and do things um it's an amazing culture yeah, super friendly people long. And um, you know, like I think what I was doing before with the homestays was sort of trying to um sort of get money into some of the rural areas and, and sort of help them out a bit with cash flow. And I think the reality of that was perhaps what I was trying to do more was sort of encourage tourists to come and see how simple life can be for those people and um, yeah, I was just doing things a bit backwards, um, and I think the the reason I feel sort of um, I I sort of sometimes think, oh well, is it really, you know, like is it are we really doing such bad things to our environment? How can you tell? Um, but the one thing that goes on in the back of my head is, well, I think if we were living simpler lives, there wouldn't be any cost to happiness, and there would be huge value to the environment so that's the thing that the Philippines has taught me that um, you can live really simply and be really happy and since then I've, I've read studies that have shown once you pass a certain level of um, you know basic needs being met shelter um, you know family around you community um, food on the table once you once you meet those needs you get very little happiness from anything extra in your life so I think that's a good thing for us, like mental issues that we face, is that it's not going to be at a sacrifice of happiness. In fact, it might actually make us happier just to be living a little bit more simply. Um, so that's kind of been my husband and my motto since we've done our sailing, just to try and really simplify things. Um, we definitely don't always get it right, uh, especially as we've just gone through the process of moving house, but um, and things have been a little bit crazy, but that's sort of what we try to try to do in life um, and sort of try not to want too many things and that kind of thing um, and just be happy with what we've got and I think the Philippines has always grounded us in that 
Um, so we sort of, I think the Philippines has given so much to us and we sort of see this this plastic thing as, oh, okay, maybe we can give back and sharing what we've experienced and do to, to try and solve the problem and to tidy up their beaches a little bit. And such a, so many islands, there's 7,000 islands there, so they rely on the ocean so much to provide food for them. And um, I just, well, I'd hate to see, you know, that being destroyed because, um, if, you know, fish or plastics getting into the food chain and that kind of thing. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen. But also, um, I just had thought, oh, what if the oceans, you know, there's some rivers that we can't swim in at the moment. What if the oceans were like that one day? Um, how could I, you know, look my son in the eye and, and sort of, I feel like what I'm doing now, I can sort of look him in the eye and say, hey, I tried, whatever happens, I, I'm just doing my best. And, um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, so, I mean, no, I think we've we've really covered off the sort of why uh, you wanted to to do this right and to raise awareness and to yeah. and to help clean up the Philippines. Should we talk about the how? So, once you'd kind of got yeah. this idea, hey, I want to I want I want to ride. How did you go about setting it up, and how did you go about starting it off? So I, I actually read this um, book before I started and it was called uh, The Happiness of the Fute. So it was talking about different people and um, sort of journeys that they'd undertaken and there was stories about um, people who had cycled through various countries and um, they sort of it sort of talked about the steps that you needed to go through um, to plan such an event. And um, I also, there was a girl that sort of paddleboarded through the UK who was trying to raise awareness about the issue of plastic as well. So I sort of got emailing to her and she was like, I'll just tell people that you're going to do it and then you'll have to do it. So I think telling people was the first step. And I remember emailing my parents and being like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And you never quite know what the reaction's going to be, but they were pretty supportive. So um, yeah, that was the first step. And then um, there was a lot of planning in terms of trying to get sponsorship for the bike ride. Um, but I think when something's meant to happen, everything falls into place really easily and emotions um, and you're kind of the facilitator. But it's I, I think I just got such good feedback from people, like everyone that I emailed about sponsorship was right on board with it. Um, there's some really neat products around in New Zealand, like um, there's a shampoo block that's just come out that you don't need any packaging for. It's just like a soap block okay. and they're called... A teak. Um, so they were really supportive straight away. Um, there's a lot of people that really care about this issue. It's quite a visual, sort of a visual thing that a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't know if you follow certain things on Facebook, but there's a lot of photos that fly around about plastic on beaches and that kind of thing. So I think there's also a lot of companies that have sort of started making products to, um, to reduce plastic and you talked to Nick Morrison I think a couple of months back from Innocent Packaging who have got um, compostable compostable coffee cups and coffee lids and a whole lot of compostable products. So there's a lot of people that have the same value that they want to reduce plastic so I just flew some emails out to people and um, there was I, I ended up getting a bamboo bike to do the journey on. So um, they were that's a Philippines 
a Philippines brand, but they were right on board with what I was doing as well as it sort of fitted with with their sort of values and um so their their products, you know, bamboo's a super sustainable resource. So yeah, there was lots of people that I connected with in those early stages who were sort of trying to do the same thing. And then um I just set up a Facebook page, set up a website for the blog and um yeah, like I said, everything sort of fell into place really quickly. And I did I did like a trial run in um the Philippines. I actually I was going to walk at one point and I did a trial run and realized that walking was a ridiculous speed and <laughs> I needed to cover a little bit more ground. So in the end, um yeah, on that trip I switched to the bike and it, it just um but the doing the trial was really key to just figuring it all out and figuring it out for the family as well, just making sure the family was all happy and we had a really good time during the trial. So I thought, okay, let's do this and uh then I set up a, a pledge me fundraising campaign just to get get sort of some money to to do the trip and got sort of three and a half thousand doing that, which I was really happy with. Probably fifty percent from friends and family and then fifty percent from people I didn't even know and was just amazed that they'd support something like that. So yeah, yeah, really happy that I've I, I did the trip. I just I feel like it's sort of the start of something really good for me. Um, and obviously I won't be biking through the Philippines again, but, um, yeah, it was just sort of, for me, it was a chance to network with people in the Philippines who are already working on the issue. Um, just sort of a, a chance to sort of tune in to what's really going on and, um, what's sort of the key things that I could help out with. So, yeah. Awesome. So, Anna, how how long Again, was the trial? Again, going up in tangents. No, no, that's all right. How long was the your trial? trial? The trial was just for a week, um, yeah. and we did it in an area we knew pretty well. So that was probably, um, that I guess that made the trial a little bit easier than the real thing, perhaps. But yeah, we just did it for a week and uh, did beach cleanups along the way. Exactly how I sort of envisaged the the real thing to go. And I, I wasn't quite as prepared at that point. Like when I did the real thing, I had like brochures to give out to people. Um, but I sort of went into a couple of schools on that trip and gave some presentations just, just to get a feel for, um, how that was going to go. Uh, so I ended up on the, on the main trip, I did 14 presentations around different, um, at different places, but also I sort of made an effort at each beach cleanup to, to just chat with people about the issue and um, talk about reducing consumption. Uh, that was sort of our main message. Uh, it's not sort of so much about recycling. Recycling's actually pretty good at segregating, um, but more on trying to reduce plastic at the source. Uh, I think yeah, the figure is something like 12% of plastic worldwide is actually able to be recycled properly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, also yeah. going off on a tangent. Um, but yeah, the, the trip was only a week, so it was a lot less than what we ended up doing, which was three and a half months. Um, but I'm really glad I did that trial just to figure out all the logistics and systems and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's always an important, important phase of any big project is, yeah, figuring out exactly how it's going to work. And you're never going to kind of pick yeah. everything to pieces and, and, 
be prepared for every contingency, but it gives you a bit of a bit of an idea and uh, a bit of an idea about how how you might respond um, if something does does happen. Um, but I mean, with the yeah, totally with, yeah, with the three and a half months that you were you were uh, cycling down the Philippines, how did you plan your route with that? Um, I did the yeah, I did the route planning before we left, and I, I mean, I just from the trial worked out sort of how much I wanted to do per day, which was probably mostly to do with having time with my son as well as being on the trip. So uh, we just sort of planned not to be moving every single day and do sort of around 30 kilometres each day. Well, I sort of, in fact, ended up doing 90 kilometres some days so that we could stay longer in a certain place. Um, so, and I, I sort of pin myself down uh, that I stayed longer in a place and I sort of did a longer bike to catch up. Uh, and I just, I, I tried to avoid a lot of hills, to be honest. So I just, and also I was going around the, I was going around the coast. So uh, that kind of actually sorted that one out. The coastal roads tended to be flatter than going across the middle of an island or whatever. Um, and I sort of chose, I picked sort of some places that we'd been to, so we knew the area really well, and some places that that weren't so like would that were kind of exciting for us to visit, um, just because we'd never been there before. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and I, I went through most of the country, so from from the south to the north, um, but left out Mindanao, which is. And uh, you probably may have caught something in the news, but Mindanao's probably one of the Philippines, so we just decided to miss out that island completely. It's uh, sort of there's been a few kidnappings down there, and uh, yeah, probably don't want to dwell on that too much because the Philippines is an amazing country, and most people are super friendly. But we just, with our son, we've got to be a little bit more careful. So mm, yeah, yeah. And how did you go getting between islands? Uh, were you just on a boat, or did you fly? Yeah. Yeah, so it felt pretty weird. At the, or at the end of the trip, we flew from the north back to Manila, the capital. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely part of it was to sort of to not not use too much on the trip as well. Use pedal power as opposed to to um, flying and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, no, just at the end when we were coming back to New Zealand. So I I feel like. I mean, especially for this trip, like I, I offset my, my um, carbon emissions and that kind of thing, to sort of, yeah, you, you sort of feel like if you're fighting an environmental cause, you should have got to think about the broader environmental issues that we're facing. So we, yeah, we offset our carbon emissions, and uh, right, right now we're sort of planning on staying still for the next few years and not doing too much travel as that's not uh, yeah it's not so good on the environment traveling too much but also I think some of the best lessons that I've had in my life have been through travel so I, I wouldn't change that um yeah yeah what were the what were the big lessons from your cycle trip uh the big lessons in terms of plastic or in terms of personally? Both. I think, well, it was, in terms of 
personally, I I got a lot out of the the presentations that I did, um, tr- learning sort of what messages were well received. Um, I really enjoyed talking to kids. They're sort of uh, they're like sponges, and they just sort of lap everything out without you feel. Yeah, you feel like you're you're sort of making an impact talking to kids and sort of doing it for them. So, um, yeah, I think personally as well, doing a whole lot of presentations with, which I wasn't very comfortable with at the start, like I'm not naturally drawn to presenting in front of people. So that was really good. That was a good all good lessons. Uh, and then from a plastic perspective, I realized um how important it is to make to make the act of not using plastic convenient for people. So I think just with the Philippines there's so many people living really hard lives um not like they obviously they do have access to a lot of plastic packaging it's really cheap there it's probably cheaper to go and buy um, a bag of chips and most pieces of fruit. Uh, so uh, it's like there's definitely all levels of society are consuming plastic, but not everyone has the means to to worry about it or to even think about it because life, and it's the same for people in New Zealand, like people live busy lives. So we've got to work out how can we make it convenient for people not to use it about the compostable packaging that's coming out and um, I hope to see that sort of through all levels of packaging like so you hopefully one day eventually get chips in compostable packaging as opposed to plastic which doesn't break down and is really bad for the environment um, yeah so I sort of that was one of the main things How and I think it is it's it is up to the big companies. Um, you don't want to put all the blame on big companies, but they really need to step up to help to solve the problem. Using well, I've been trying not to use plastic for a while. Um, it was a New Year's resolution for my husband and I last year, and it and it is really hard. Like you have moments where you forget your your bags and you forget your drink bottle or whatever, and um, it's it's sort of like we live quite busy modern lives and so it's about making it easy for people yeah I think I've gone way off on a tangent but also I would say like it is about making it convenient for people but at at some stage for the broader environmental goals beyond plastic I think um, and on that sort of concept of sort of reducing and living more simply I think people do probably need to be engaged and actively seeking that um, to help the environment and so that's something that's that that needs to be a conscious decision. So, but in terms of solving the plastic thing and solving it quickly, like we really need changes in packaging and that kind of thing. Um, but that's going too detailed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But lots of lessons and lots of thought time. Like biking is amazing for thought time, as is any exercise. So, um, I I really had some great ideas on the bike, and I. Yeah, I'm working on this um, children's picture book at the moment, which was an idea that I had on the bike, um, and a lot of other things that were just sort of churning away in the back of my head. Um, so I actually think those were the, some of the biggest decisions. a trip like that where you're so focused on something for three months, and then uh, it's it's sort of that's your your thinking is sort of constantly on the issue, and it was really nice to uh, yeah, just some of the thoughts I had along the way. Cool. 
How have you gone transitioning out of the trip, coming back into? Um, yeah, it's it's been a challenge because, and this is um, so the the book that I read before I started the trip was sort of talking about that um, fact as well. Like if you if you do a big solid thing for three months, and then what do you do after it? And I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. Like full-time with Josh at the moment but also working on some campaigns on Waiheke Island um, to try and try and reduce plastic on the island and sort of try and get the island as like a model uh, a model area for uh, they've already done a lot over here in terms of reducing plastic bags um, but done so I feel like if I can work on sort of that whole concept in New Zealand and then and then take what I've learned up to the Philippines um I, I think, yeah, I have I knew coming back that, um, how can I put it? Uh, when I, so when I started the business up in the Philippines, it was probably not the right time of life to start something. And so I, I've made a commitment to myself that when I start this NGO in the Philippines, I will be in the right space in life to give it my all for a number of years um, before before something else uh, comes along and so we're sort of in the very young family stage of life and uh, so I, I think it's hard being back and leaving it behind but I know why we've done it and I don't have any doubt in the back of my mind that and we'll be working on this um, sometime soon so that's sort of what keeps me going and also yeah like I said there's a, there's a few little projects going on that I'm working on which is still in line with this value of trying to reduce plastic so that's sort of keeping me going but it's not been easy for sure because it's big changes all at once so yeah look as you say that's been uncomfortable um yeah I don't think I'm talking much about the theme of the podcast no no no, that's all right um I'm gonna ask you some questions now that I ask everyone Anna um so yeah the first one is can you tell me about a time that you failed and what you learned from it yeah, so I guess, yeah, I'm failing all the time. <laughs> Not afraid to say that. Failing sort of daily every time I raise my voice or get angry at my son or whatever. But, yeah, in terms of the bigger stuff, um, uh, yeah, that, so that business up in the Philippines was – it probably it didn't quite, quite work out how I would have liked it. I would have liked to – sort of see that flourishing a lot more um could sustain it and keep going with it but and at the end of the day I don't I just think it wasn't meant to be um and so yeah I I tried my best to get this homestay network going and to to um sort of develop something that that could sustain me and and also um yeah, and to sort of give money to to these families, and um, we just didn't have quite the, and so that was quite hard. But at the same time, I'm really glad with the feedback that I've got from individuals and experiences that they've had, and how it sort of changed certain things in their life. So I don't regret doing it as such, but um, I think personally that that was really hard. I sort of, um, yeah, I. I 
went in full ball and I, I really committed to it for for probably a year and a half and I just wasn't getting the response and I think it's quite different to sort of going to a job and, and um, yeah, you sort of, I think you sort of, it's, it, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a bit of a failure. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. And yeah. What did it teach you? I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with the small things that it, I think I learned a lot about marketing at that point and um, yeah, just the importance of marketing. You can have like a really good product and that kind of thing, but you need to get your marketing sorted um, to sell it. And I, it was something that I really battled with. And um, also, yeah, just like I said earlier, like not don't start something at the wrong time of your life. So when I started that business, part of me was, really wanted to do the sailing trip and I was sort of waiting for my husband to be to be ready to do that and he was still sort of tying up loose ends with his work so waiting for the right time of life to do certain things was a and being like I'm sort of someone that gets a little bit impatient with stuff and wants to do it right away and I think that kind of taught me um if you're starting something you always are going to need like two three years to be committed to that thing um, to get it off the ground and I think most people that have started businesses would would know that so yeah just yeah that's the, the main thing that I I learned from that cool. taught you a bit about patience as well um and it, yeah yeah although my son's teaching me a lot about that now too <laughs> <laughs> yeah next question I have for you uh, is what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it um, so I guess all of the presentations that I did in the Philippines were reasonably uncomfortable. It was like, I think before them, I didn't want to do it. And afterwards, I was happy that I'd done it. Um, and also, I had a few TV interviews throughout the duration of my cycle. And the first one was awful. Like, I was so nervous about it and um, just really didn't want to do it. But also... I think if you believe in something enough, you're prepared to do anything to, to sort of, to I, I guess spread that message or whatever. So, um, but then so went on TV once at the start of the trip and then a couple of times at the end. And by the end of the trip, I was I yeah, just realised it wasn't actually that big a deal. It was just about talking about something you're passionate about. So, um. Yeah, and also I think I figured out after the first sort of TV um, appearance that uh, the sort of the message that I really wanted to get across, um, so that cut it, that came through in the later uh, things I did on TV. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff on that trip that was really uncomfortable. Um, it's not comfortable traveling with a small kid. <laughs> not something that I would definitely recommend to everyone. But I so like it's being. I think being uncomfortable is something that you always look back on from a comfortable position, and you're always glad that you've done it. Like I'm so glad we did that sailing trip because it's fed into everything else, and so. Maybe comfortable isn't always good at the time, but later on it's always really good. So, yeah, it's um, a cool perspective. Uh, so, yeah, those are the main ones, like just presenting and 
Um, I think, yeah, socially it was quite challenging coordinating big groups of people and I've always been really happy doing physical challenges. Like I'm a really sporty person and have always um, been really in, like this, I never sort of questioned whether I could cycle 2,000 kilometers. It was just like, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. And I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't doing a huge number of kilometers every day either. So um, that thing, that sort of side of things never fazed me, but I, I was sort of quite nervous about presenting and, and could I keep going and, and sort of, yeah, organizing all these events. Like we sort of cleaned up 30 beaches in three months. So we were doing like cleanups and coordinating groups uh, sort of every few days. So that, was really challenging, you know, just dealing with, yeah, challenging and uncomfortable dealing with so many people. But I was really happy at how I rose to that. And, yeah, just, I, I mean, we had 300 people out in Manila Bay and, and pulled a huge number of plastic off the beach there. So um, I was, yeah, really happy with those little wins along the way. Awesome. And they're great ones to help keep you going as well. And what is the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? And why is that uncomfortable for you? Um, the next uncomfortable thing, we've got like a couple of events on Waiheke. Um, there's, uh, so I'll have to speak it a couple for me. And yeah, so what was the question? Um What's the next uncomfortable thing you're going to do what, and why, is, why is that uncomfortable? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, like um, I'm, I'm not too scared of physical challenges, but uh, sort of speaking in front of a whole lot of people is probably something that a lot of people battle with, I think, um, and, and myself included. Uh, and this. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of stuff that I'm still working on. Like I, I play guitar and I would love to get to the point where I could happily play in front of people, but I think I'm a while away from that yet. But I think you just sort of gradually build up confidence with lots of stuff in life and um it's a it's a journey. So I I can't I, I can't advocate for being all over uncomfortable is okay, but um yeah, I'm giving it a go. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think the I think the more you push yourself and the more you push your boundaries, um, the greater your sphere of comfort uh, expands to. But there's always going to be stuff that yeah. is outside of your comfort zone that kind of is the next step that you that you want to take and then you want to get into as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so every time you push yourself, you make it easier for yourself the next time around. Like so, yeah. Um, you just got to get out and do these things, I guess, mm, mm. and and then realise that next time will be amazing and easy. And I, I have to say, like with the presentations that I'll be doing on Waiheke, I'm not as scared about them as I would have been three, four months ago. So that's kind of saying something. And part of the reason that I I did the trip and structured it like I did was. Um, I really wanted to get experience sort of speaking to people in public and and um, I so that was sort of like I actually structured the trip to challenge myself in a way uh, little like goals for yourself even if they're short term goals uh, 
and sort of package it up almost so you can get your head around it, then it helps to like sort of tick things off lists that you've always wanted to do. Um, oh, I can hear my son going crazy in the background, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's right. We should um, we should probably think about wrapping this up as well. I can hear him uh, hear him tearing around there. Um, yeah, he just got back from the playground, so oh, um, bit too yeah. excited. Yeah, lots of energy. <laughs> Anna, yeah. I've got two more questions for you, but before I ask them, I just want to say thank you for uh, your time today and having a chat with me. Um, but also, I want to thank you for being an example and kind of speaking out on this important issue as well and, and raising awareness both in New Zealand, in the Philippines, but kind of all around the world with the stuff that you're doing as well. Um, it's very cool and it's it's very important. So thank you for that. Uh Oh no, I mean, everyone has their story, don't they? And, and so, like, yeah, I mean, what, what you're doing with your physio and, and doing the podcast and sharing messages is all really important. And I firmly believe that every person, you know, um, is their own little journey and what they're meant to be doing. And I think it, it is quite challenging. I mean, I wasn't someone that, um, knew exactly what I was doing straight out of school, but I think I'm slowly sort of figuring my, figuring out what I'm supposed to be doing and so but I yeah I just feel like it's sort of my small part to play cool um Anna the first question is an easy one if people want to support you and what you're doing or kind of want to get an idea about your journey through more of an idea about your journey through the Philippines where can they go and how can they do that uh so we have a Facebook page um Plastic Free Philippines, so you can just search that on Facebook and it should pop up. And that sort of, yeah, there's a whole lot of pictures from what. Uh, the other one is we've got a website which is www.plasticfreephilippines.com. Uh, so, yeah, those are the two main ones. And yeah, if anyone's listening that cares about plastic and the environment, just feel to, feel free to get in touch and. Um, yeah, I, I really love meeting people that are sort of trying to solve the same issues and sort of bounce ideas around with people. So just anyone that cares about the same stuff, get in touch and go from there. Cool, cool. And I'll put all those details in the notes for the episode as well. But Anna, before we wrap up, do you have any advice or life lessons or interesting facts to leave us with today? Um, yeah, so I think find, keep, keep following all those like little things in the back of your mind that says, I, I would really love that. and, uh, try not to be constrained by what, um, what's expected of you. Just do what you think you need to do. <laughs> That's all. Cool. Anna, thank you very much for getting uncomfortable with me today. 